0: morning Woo. how awesome is it to know that you have the God that created this universe in your corner this morning come on he's your cheerleader he's your biggest fan come on let's be his biggest fan this morning come on come on come on give a shout of praise he is worthy to be praised Father God, we worship you. Come on, you don't have to stop. Come on, we worship you, Jesus. Woo! Oh, you are worthy of our praise. Woo! Come on, praise the name of Jesus. Come on, in our praise, mountains are moved. Come on, in our praise, sicknesses are healed. Come on, don't just stand there. Come on, come on. In our praise, prodigal sons, come home. Come on, marriages are healed in the name of Jesus. Come on, begin to let that Holy Ghost rise up in you. Come on, come on. My son says, I'm going to pray in my prayer language till I get the answer I need. I think he's more talking about wanting me to say something. But come on, let's worship him this morning. Woo! In our worship, things are moving. Come on, in our praise, things move because our flesh gets kicked out of the way. Because look, it's not comfortable standing in front of your peers and raising your hands. I mean, that's not our natural thing. And it's not comfortable to stand in front of people and, and sing loud if that's not your gift. But come on, that's why worship, it says in the Bible that worship is a you and him thing. It's not a me and you thing. Like, I'm just here to facilitate. Like, God's given me a gift, so I'm just here to, like, tap you in the right direction. But it's between you and God this morning. So close your eyes with me this morning. Come on. Father God, you have time to move. We're ready for your word. We're ready ready for your wisdom, Father God. We just love the name of Jesus. Oh, the enemy's assignment is broken this morning. Distractions are gone. Healings are happening, whether the enemy likes it or not. Marriages are becoming stronger, whether the enemy likes it or not. Children are coming home, whether the enemy likes it or not this morning. Because it's about you, Jesus. Come on, it's not about us. It's about the light in us, and that's you, Jesus. Let us shine bright for you this morning, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, amen. You can give a shout of praise on the way back to your seat. Come on, let's welcome Pastor Colby.
1: Hallelujah. Thank you, sir. Wow. Can we just give Jesus one more giant hand clap? He is so worthy. What an awesome God we serve. Amen. Wow. Let's give the praise team a hand clap. I don't know if y'all know how blessed we are to be able to not have to cringe through worship. You know, you worship joyful noise. We'll take a joyful noise, right? I mean, several people in here, you can come up here and make a joyful noise, but how many are glad you get to do that in your seat while we let people that God has truly anointed and gifted lead you in worship? Amen. All three of you. That's awesome. Maybe you've never been to a church where you really had to rely on the joyful noise that you made and, and, and cringe through uh, people with a good heart, amen? We got people with good hearts and good voices. Hallelujah. God's good. I, I'm just, I love it. I love it. Summer of Wisdom. We've been in the book of Proverbs all summer long. And um, it's been really powerful. Last week, I started a, a, a message, and I'm going to finish it today, on embracing discipline. And, and I realize that that title doesn't get rounds of applause. And Amanda was preaching my sermon earlier, so you know it's going to be good. Um, but it's just, it's so important. This idea weaves all throughout the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 12.1 says, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. But whoever hates corruption is stupid. Right? That's that's some that's pretty serious. You say, yeah, that's probably the mess. No, that's NIV. I mean that's like whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. Now I would I would venture to say, including myself, there's everybody in this room. Is, is, is being reproved by the Lord in some area of their life because none of us have arrived on this wonderful journey called Christianity. Amen? Right. Or maybe we got a few in here. I'm not, I'm not sure. But uh, none of us have arrived at that place, and so God is dealing with and doing things in our lives, and he's wanting us to grow and mature. And I pray, you know what I love about worship? I was just looking out, and it was almost like I could see God. Just doing the different things that only He could do simultaneously, all I mean, I mean, I know that God spoke to some of y'all during worship. Just now, you received that, that encouragement. You received what you needed from God. and I love seeing God do all those things, and He can do the same thing in a message. Amen. Amen. Proverbs 12:1 in the message Bible, it says, "If you love learning, you love the discipline that goes with it. How short-sighted to refuse. Correction. God is wanting to deal with us in different areas of our lives. Amen. And so, but I, 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 last week I, I I talked about how this 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 word discipline, it sometimes has a negative connotation in our minds. If if you know, and I know where I go to church, and I know the, the a lot of the people that go here. Um, you know, we're not the the church that has all the the folks that ain't never been through nothing. Are you, are you with me? Like, we got some seasoned people. Like some folks that have been through a thing or two, you know, been in a thing or two. <laughs> y'all, I don't want to, y'all know what I'm talking about. And so we played a sound because discipline, that word, it does something to you that, that's, 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 that's messed up in, in the way we perceive it in our flesh can sometimes be a little off. So I want to play this sound, this first sound, and see if you, you associate this sound with discipline. That's not it.
0: <laughs>
1: Look, Bruce got jumpy just now. Oh, that's good. I don't want people to run out. <clears throat> now, for some of y'all, that's really traumatic. Some, like, uh, PTSD happening there and... Different stuff, and and I'm right there with you, right? I've heard the siren, right? Listen, it it blows my mind how many police officers go to this church. It's like God. Back in the day, I won't say it. But that's that's this 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 this. When we hear discipline, we think panic. We think we think we don't think. We hear the sirens and we don't think. Oh, let's go see what Mr. Officer Smith has to say today. I bet he has a I bet he has a blessing from the Lord for me. No, man, that ain't what we do. I, I got pulled over the other day uh, on 153. Look, don't judge me. <laughs> I got pulled over the other day, county cop. You know, God bless our county cops. And uh, <clears throat> so he pulls up, and I'm like, I know it's not David. I know it's not David. <laughs> and I don't know what David would do. I mean, maybe he'd write me a ticket. I don't know. But but uh, and, and and the guy gets behind me. You know, they sit there forever. And I'm sitting there, like, trying to think, like, if I forgot to pay any fines or, like, is this it? Am I fixing to be on the front page of the paper? And and, uh, I'm serious. I see all this. You see all the pictures? On the, I'm like, oh, my God. Is there anything in my tires? Is there anything in the toolbox? So, <laughs> y'all know, y- y- you know, it, it'd be David sitting there with <laughs> bricks of stuff <laughs> with a, so and and uh, so the police officer pulled me over, and, and guy gets out of the car and and it's it's somebody that used to go to our church. so I'm like this this isn't good <laughs> right and uh a guy walks up and and he goes. He served here, you were doing this fast and going to you know, and he looks up and he goes, "Oh, Colby!" <laughs> and I knew right then I was good. I knew I was all right. I was all right. So, so anyway, I was like, man, I'm so sorry, I'll slow down. but you know, even now today, I mean I've, I, I have been serving the Lord for 19 years, and, and even I still hear the sirens that get a little jumpy. You know what I'm saying? And 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 it, I think some of us, when we hear that word discipline, some of us have been in the faith longer than others, and we hear that word, and we think that it's not for us, because we've already got this Christianity thing figured out. But I promise you, God is wanting to deal with some things in your life. He doesn't want to leave you the way that you are. He loves you that much. Last, last week, we told a story, and I can't tell the whole story, but I'm just going to we told the story about when, when I was disciplined as a young man for climbing up on the roof when I was told not to climb up on the roof. And I told you all about the whooping that I got coming, sliding down the antenna pole. My dad standing down there at the bottom and he whipped me all the way down. And, uh, and I deserved that whipping, right? And, but we talked about how Jesus, how Jesus took what we deserved. He slid down the pole for us and he... Took on the wrath of God. Amen. He satisfied the wrath of God so that we don't have to endure God's punishment, which is eternal damnation, eternal separation from. Him, Amen. Jesus took that for us. He rose again on the third day, and He lives forevermore, clean and holy and righteous as the Son of God at the right hand of the throne of God, ever interceding on our behalves, enabling us to become sons of God as well, Amen. Amen. And so, so it, this discipline isn't something that we're supposed to reject; it's something that we're supposed to embrace. Hebrews twelve. 5 through 11. It's a few verses, but I want you to listen to them. It's such a powerful scripture. It says, "So don't feel sorry for yourselves." That could be a sermon right there. Yeah. Or have you forgotten how good parents treat their children, and that God regards you as His children? My dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline, but uh, my dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline, but don't be crushed by it either. If the child he loves, it's the child he loves that he disciplines. The child he embraces, he also corrects. God is educating you. That's why you must never drop out. He's treating you as dear children. The trouble you're in isn't punishment, it's training. The normal experience of children, only irresponsible parents leave their children to fend for themselves. Would you prefer an irresponsible God? We respect our own parents for training and not spoiling us. So why not embrace God's training so we can truly live? While we were children, our parents did what seemed best to them, but God is doing what is best for us, training us to live God's holy best. At the time, discipline isn't much fun. Can I get an amen? It always feels like it's going against the grain. Later, of course, it pays off handsomely. For it is the well-trained who find themselves in mature in their relationship with God. Amen? So powerful. This idea of discipline. Y'all going to have to stick with me this morning. I had an ear infection this week. I haven't had an ear infection since I was like 10 years old. Random ear infection. So I, I hear my voice about seven times as it comes out of my mouth. It's kind of weird. but um, so, so we talked about to embrace discipline. I need to know this. To embrace discipline, you need to know this. To not jump and run, when you, when, when you hear, when God begins to deal with you, we need to know a few things. And the first thing that we talked about last week is that it's not punishment. And that's good news. That is such good news. It's not punishment. Punishment is dealing with your past. That was done on the cross through Jesus. Discipline is dealing with your future hallelujah, thank God that he's dealing with these areas of our lives because that means he's got something for me in the future. The second thing that we found out about discipline is that God's discipline is different than human discipline. How many would agree? Humans discipline out of fear, anger, frustration, insecurities, disappointment, embarrassment, manipulation, and control. And I could go on and on. And those are just the ways that I've disciplined my children. Those are some of the motivations of my heart when I dealt with my children. But see, God's not like us. It says that He disciplines. God's discipline always comes out of love. The goal is always and only so that we may partake of His life. He's bringing us into oneness with Him. He's bringing us into a more mature place with him. And that requires discipline, training, preparation. Amen. So we're going to move on today. Number three, and this is new from last week. Number three is if I'm going to embrace discipline, I've got to know that it's not punishment, that it's different than the way I was disciplined by my earthly parents. And number three, if I'm going to embrace discipline, I've got to know that there's nothing that God won't use to discipline me. There is nothing that God won't use to train me. There's nothing that God won't use to prepare me what he has already prepared for me. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you're walking into the wild west, the wild blue yonder, the frontier that's never been explored? Or do you believe that we have a God that's already been there and marked out the way for us? I believe that. I believe that that God has already been there marking out the way for us so what he's dealing with us now about is to get us where he knows we can go. There's nothing that God won't use to discipline us. So last week it was all the good news. God isn't like my mean dad or my mean mom or the God, God, he's not punishing me. Everybody loves that one. Hallelujah, we're not under punishment. But, but all that idea isn't to... Um, to to make you think that there's not consequences for the decisions that you make today. Some of us are living in consequences of decisions that we made 20 years ago, right? And see, God's not afraid of consequences. God, there is nothing that God won't use to lead you into the life that he bled and died for you to have. So if God isn't angry at us, waiting at the bottom of the pole to beat us, then what does he use to discipline us? And I want you to know that he will use anything and everything. This is so important. God uses our everyday circumstances, pressures, mistakes, consequences, successes, and failures. Your life is a cocktail It is the perfect mixed drink of God. I preach to my people here. (laughs) I know my crowd. It is a perfect cocktail for you to enter into what God has always wanted, and that is a personal relationship day in and day out with you to lead you to what he has already prepared for you. He uses our everyday circumstances. See, sometimes I think we think we got to like, go to a big training or a class to learn about what God wants for us. Right? We come to church. We're like, okay, I'm going to learn about what God wants for us today. But you know what I've discovered where God really wants to teach me? Where God will teach me the most? He get, I get good information at church. I, I get good tools to work with at church. And, and, but, but or, or when I go to a conference or, or some big event or when I read a good book. But, but can I tell you something? God has taught me more in my everyday mundane life than he has in the appropriate corporate setting. He loves to teach us. The tools that He uses to teach us are our everyday circumstance that we 're going through even right now. And, and I used to think that was silly because I 'm like, God doesn't really care about my turning on the light or my waking up in the morning or what I'm wearing, or listen, God can teach us and use all of those things to lead us to where He wants us to be. All of those things He wants to use our everyday circumstances, our pressures our mistakes, our consequences, successes, and failures. It's the perfect cocktail to enter into the life that he has for us. This is why we don't have to lose hope for anyone in any circumstance. Listen, what we perceive as disaster in people's lives, if brought to God, can actually wind up being discipline. It can be the perfect training. Listen, God will take the deepest disappointments He will take your biggest failures and mistakes. He will take the darkest days. He will take your tragedies. He will take loss. He will take all of it and say, if you will bring that to me, if you will trust me with those things, there's something that I want to teach you in it. There's something that I want to train you in those things. It's just the training that we need. Listen to me, your life is just the training that you need to bring you into deeper levels with God. I'm going to say that again. Your life from the time you were born until today was just the training you needed. See, I don't know if everybody agrees. You don't have to agree with me. It's okay. What has happened to you, what you have endured from the day you were born until today was perfect training for you to enter into deeper levels of God's life. And that's hard to swallow whenever you look back at some of the things that you've gone through and endured. Because you say, where could God be in those difficulties? But I used to believe this about circumstances. I used to believe that, uh, that circumstances were either from God or from the devil. Are y'all with me? If something bad happened, it was the devil. If something good happened, it was God right I could go and buy me a new car so whoa glory to God look how the Lord has blessed me this must be from the Lord I got leather seats wood grain with the leather seats windows so dark you need a flashlight to see me I'm oh, sorry I really don't know either <laughs> But listen, man, I got this car. Man, the Lord is blessing me. And then you see him the next time, you say, y'all ain't gonna believe this. Some dude showed up with a wrecker truck, (laughs) took my car. The devil's working up at my house. (laughs) (laughs) You get a new job. Hallelujah. God is so good. Then you get fired from the job. Man, the devil's really working in my life. I used to believe that circumstances were either from God or the devil. This was either God or the enemy. But now I believe that every circumstance has God or devil potential. Mm. Listen, both God and the enemy are after your everyday ordinary life. God to teach you and train you and the devil, John 10, 10, to destroy you. A promotion can be the worst thing that ever happened to you. And a massive failure can be the best thing that ever happened to you. See, this is where you get into the sovereignty of God. And yes, all things are ultimately allowed by God because he's sovereign, he's in control. We trust that he's good. But every single circumstance that we're faced with, whether disastrous or unbelievably great, has God potential and it has devil potential. The thing that you're facing right now that feels like death to you can actually be life to you. It has God potential in it if we'll trust him and take it to him. See, because I can get a promotion on the job, I can have some unbelievably incredible opportunity presented to me. Yes, it's God's will. Yes, God brought that my way. But it can bring pride and arrogance and self-dependence into my life. And I begin to think I got here without God. And the enemy's going, I'm so glad they got that promotion. I think, I think, I think that blessing is just the thing that I needed to destroy their lives. God's doing the same thing. Listen, they're both after our everyday, ordinary lives. Listen, God wants us so badly that he is not afraid of what's going on in our lives. He will take something awful and use it, and he'll take something wonderful and use it. He wants All of it to bring us into deeper places with Him, to mature us in this life called Christianity. All of it. So I want you to think right now, I think God can can do that. I think He can think of some of the things that you're going through right now that you have said this is absolutely from the devil. Maybe so, but it has God potential. It has God potential it hurts so much the pain is too deep there's no way that listen to me it might just be the thing that leads you into deeper places with him the way we respond to every circumstance determines whether God or Satan gets the credit I don't know who you want getting the credit in your life but I want God getting the credit in my life listen to me one of my biggest issues that I had to take up with God When I was diagnosed with cancer, was the fact that he was sovereign. And he may not have caused it, but ultimately he allowed it. And see, sometimes I think we don't even realize that we have such deep offense with God. I don't think God causes all these horrible things to happen in our lives. I just think it's called life. And there's potential to bring us closer to him in all of those things. But I can look back now and say that the devil lost when he gave Colby Hill cancer. Yeah. Can I tell you something? If you'll allow it, the devil lost when you were molested. The devil lost when he messed with your child. He wants to use all things in our lives to draw us closer to Him. If we receive what God wants to do in us in every circumstance, then I believe Romans 8.28 is actually true. Do you believe that, Romans 8.28? The scripture, sometimes I think it may be overused or misused. But it says this, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are the called according to His purpose. Look, either it's true or it's not true. Either God can take the good, bad, and ugly in my life and turn it around for his good and his glory and work it out and train me for the future that he bled and died for. Or else the, 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 the word of God is lying to me. He can take all things. can Those things that we're trying to keep from him, those areas of our lives that, 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 that we're avoiding. Like, I don't want to have this conversation with God. I don't want to have this sit down with God. I don't want, Listen to me, God, you can have access to every area of my life but this one area. But he wants access to it all because he can use every single bit of it to mature you in your relationship with him. So there's nothing that God won't use to discipline you. He's not standing at the bottom of the pole with a belt. He's not punishing you anymore, but he allows us to go through life and he uses that to draw us to him. You know, I think about the, the, the prodigal son. And I've read that story before and, 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 and what turned out to be a huge blessing in this kid's life winds up being a curse in his life, but it winds up being a blessing again. What kind of father looks at his son and gives his son what he wants, knowing that it's going to ruin his life? You see, because God isn't afraid of the mistakes that you're going to make, God's not afraid that you're going to go out there and fall flat on your face. Because he knows that if you will come back to him, it's something that he can use in your life to get you to where he's always wanted you to be. And that's with him. This father looks at his son and he says, yeah, you can take your inheritance and you can go. And I'm like, man, I think I would have given my kid like 20 bucks and said, be back by nine (laughs) (laughs) o'clock. Right? I... But God doesn't discipline us the way humans discipline us. There's nothing that he won't use to discipline us. Number four, as God knows, if I'm going to embrace, if I'm going to allow God to get close to me, allow God to have a conversation with me, then he wants me to know that he knows something That I don't know. That's so good. The only way that I can go through this is to know that I know, that he knows something that I don't know. See, this is good news. I feel like I got to say this to you. There is something about your life that you don't know. You say, I don't know why God's dealing with me like this, man. Because there's something about your life that you don't know. God knows something about you that you, don't have, that, that, that you are not privy to yet. God knows something that you don't know. God knows something that I don't know. And that's why he's calling us to himself so he can introduce us to the future that he has for us. The fact that he's disciplining you means he's not done with you. See, that's encouraging. Y'all shake a little bit. Y'all shake, shake a little bit, move around. Yeah, thank you, Rachel. I don't know what that is. She started going. <laughs> Listen, the fact that he's dealing with you means he's not done with you. And I don't know about you, but that's like the best news I've heard all day. Because, see, God is dealing with us. He's dealing with us through our everyday circumstance. He's dealing with us from the pain from our past. He's dealing with us through our disappointments. He's dealing with us in our fears. He's dealing with us because he's not done with us. Thank you. There's something that you don't know, that God knows. Let him deal with you. There might not be a better illustration in Scripture of someone who is disciplined by God, disciplined by Jesus personally, than Peter. Y'all remember Peter? Peter, the great apostle, one of the 12 disciples of Jesus, had a younger brother, Andrew, on the crew. Peter was the lead chief dog of the disciples. Out of the 12, he was number... One, He was the leader of the 12. He is top dog of Jesus' crew. And I love to look at the life of Peter because it gives me encouragement. It gives me hope because I think a lot of us in here are a lot more like Peter than we think. See, we think that all these guys in the Bible like had it all together. And somehow for years, I read over all of this stuff, but didn't really grasp how jacked up they really were. I don't know if you've read your Bible. Peter, Peter was like, he was the head honcho of the crew. But can I tell you something? He wasn't just the number one head honcho of the 12th. He was like the number one screw up. Read your Bible. I'm not talking bad about Peter. He said, man, you better be careful. Church down the street's named after him. They named themselves after the number one screw-up. But you know why I love it? Change my name to Peter. Because God didn't give up on Peter through all of his mistakes. He was teaching him. He was disciplining him. There was something God knew about Peter that Peter didn't know about himself. Listen. Peter, if Peter was like on a TV show, I'll start with with some of the more old schools in here, the TV show, you know, if Peter was on Gilligan's Island, he would have been Gilligan, doing something dumb all the time. Like they're about to get off the island and Gilligan screws it up. That's Peter. Talk to my people. If Peter was on Friends, where are my people at? This is this is my 90s people. If Peter was on Friends, he'd be Joey. Right? Let me talk to the young people today. If if Peter was on the office, he'd be Michael Scott. I've never watched it personally, I don't watch that trash, but no no, I'm just kidding. I'm not condoning any of these shows. They're probably not good church shows, but if Peter was on the office, he'd be Michael Scott. He had, he had the, the, the incredible gift of saying the wrong thing at the wrong time to the wrong people and always screwing everything up. That's who Peter was. And I love to look at how God deals with Peter because I think I'm in a room full of a bunch of Peters. Peter's. I think I am. I think think that this is our our big brother. This is somebody that we can relate to. I think that we're a lot more like him than we think. Peter. You know, Peter was the one that had the revelation of Jesus, who Jesus was. Jesus asked all his disciples. He says, hey, hey, do y'all know who I am? And all the disciples are like, yeah, some people say you're Billy Bob. Some people say you're Joseph's son, and we heard that you were Elijah, returned in the flesh, and we've heard all kinds of stuff about you. This is his own disciples. And he he looks at Peter and he says, he looks at his head honcho, his number one. He says, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter was like, Jesus, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Only the Holy Ghost could have shown you, shown you who I am. And then he, and then he does this. He, he, reveals, he reveals to Peter a little bit about his future. He reveals to Peter a little bit something about himself that he didn't know, but God knew. And Jesus tells Peter in this in Matthew 16, 18. He says, and I tell you, Peter, that you're Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Peter receives his call into the ministry right there because he knew who Jesus was. And see, some of y'all, God, you have met the son of the living God. You know well who God is, but you didn't know that when you found out who he is that you would enter into this school, this training that He wouldn't want you to drop out of to mature you to a place not to where you could just receive your calling, but where you could walk in your calling. There are gifts and anointings in here that are untapped and unused. You received them when you met Jesus Christ. He gave you everything you need when you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You have everything you need to fulfill the call of God on your life, but because we've rejected discipline... We haven't matured to the place where we've, we've received our calling, but we now we, we can't walk in our calling. The only way you're gonna walk in your calling, the only way you're gonna step into your destiny, is if you receive the discipline of God and begin to mature to that place. Peter had a big job. I mean, up, upon this rock, I'm gonna build my church. Peter, Peter, you you are going to be one of the the, the cornerstones of the church. Peter, over 2,000 years from now, there's going to be a guy named Colby Hill, and he's still going to be talking about you. But how many of you know great calling requires great preparation? The greater the influence and responsibility, the greater the training. And I don't know if you realize how great your influence and responsibility is, but you are a representative of Jesus Christ in the earth. I would say that that's a great calling and a great responsibility, whether you stand on a platform or whether you go to work and sit at a computer or whether you're out pulling weeds or cutting grass or or, or shopping, buying your groceries. It doesn't matter. Your calling and responsibility is great. So it's going to take great preparation. Great time spent with the Father. See, Peter receives his calling, but then he receives preparation. He receives discipline. I'm going to talk. I'm just going to brush over. And I I I promise you I'm going to, this is a brush, so don't panic. Everybody stay calm. I'm going to talk about 13 times that Peter failed. I'm brushing, y'all. Y'all are like, oh, Jesus. Oh, my Lord. (laughs) Listen to me. Peter did not understand. I'm just going to talk about a few of these things. Peter doesn't understand. In, in uh, Matthew 15, there's a, Jesus is talking about a parable, and G- Peter walks up to him. He's like, Jesus, what are you talking about? Man, I don't get this. These words coming out of your mouth, I hear them, but they don't, they're not coming in. They're, I don't understand them. And so Jesus deals with Peter about this parable that he speaks. And Jesus wasn't always super nice and polite to these guys. Peter and the disciples, you may remember this one in Matthew 16, they, they misinterpret Jesus' words about the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They think that Jesus is talking about bread. He says, "Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees." and they're like, "What? What? what? Bread? We we get some croissants? Like, what? What?" And Jesus is like, "Oh my gosh. Are you kidding me?" bread you think the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees is about bread mark 10 peter and the other disciples try to keep jesus try to keep children and babies away from jesus you remember that one jesus loses his mind he actually became indignant this is just as, this is the head honcho of the 12 he's shooing babies away and jesus is like dude Suffer not the children to come unto me. What are you keeping kids away from me like you're better than you were one? Did you forget? Matthew 14, we see Peter step out onto the water, but then he begins to sink. He fails at walking on the water. Y'all remember when Peter, filled with self, selfish ambition, argues with the other disciples about which one of us is the greatest? The pride and the arrogance in Peter's life, and Jesus has to deal with them, and He uses a little child to do it. He says, "Look, guys, y'all aren't the greatest. He's the greatest. And if you're going to come to Me, you have to be like this little child." I love this one. In Matthew 17, the, the, on the Mount of Transfiguration, uh, Moses and Elijah appear to uh, to Jesus, and and and. He has has James and John. Jesus has James and John and Peter with him up on this mountain. And Moses and Elijah appear. And and it's this incredible experience. Jesus is talking to Moses and Elijah. And nobody's talking to Peter. But I love this about Peter. Peter thinks he has something to say to Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. He's like, psst. they, They probably didn't think about what I'm about to tell them. I got some good advice for these guys. Nobody's talking to Peter. Peter just offers his advice. He suggests that it would be good that he, James, and John are there so that they can build three shelters for Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. You got to tell you something? This was such a big screw up, but Jesus didn't even respond to it. Father God actually responds to it. (laughs) Father God is like, This is my son. Listen, Peter, stop talking. Listen to Jesus. That's what he says. This is my son who I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Would you stop talking so much and listen? He gets rebuked by God. Peter, Peter is, Peter, he's messed up. He fails over and over and over. Over and over he fails. You remember that he fell asleep when Jesus was praying. You remember when they came to arrest Jesus. He chops off the high priest, the the, the guard of the high priest, he chops off his ear. Jesus jumps out to protect, I mean, Peter jumps out to protect Jesus and chops off somebody's ear. Jesus, he's like, reaches down and he picks up the ear and he's like, dude, put your sword away. Ha! puts the ear back on the guy's head. I'm serious. This is the way I think some of this stuff unfolded. Jesus is like, oh. But do you know what I love about Peter? He doesn't leave. He screws up again and again and again. He fails again and again. What, what, what is it so much that we have against making mistakes? Why are we so offended by failure? How come whenever we do fail, we try to cover it up? Instead of taking it to the Father so he can use it. Again and again, Peter. And it culminates by Peter saying, Jesus is eating dinner with him. He says, hey guys, y'all are all about to forsake me. You're all about to sell me out. And Peter says, I wouldn't. I would never sell you out, Jesus. Jesus just looks at him and he says, this will be a teachable moment. This will be a good teachable moment. Don't miss the teachable moments in your life. You haven't arrived and you're not supposed to have arrived. You don't have it all together and you're not supposed to be, have it all together. You're not all that in a bag of chips and you're not supposed to be all that in a bag of chips. We're supposed to be dependent on the Father. I love it. Peter says, I would never leave you. Jesus says, dude, before the rooster crows, you're going to have sold me out three times. And Peter says, I would never. And I love this. Pastor Nancy taught me this. She said, isn't it amazing that that Peter could have a revelation of who Jesus Christ was, but not have a clue of what he was capable of? That's why we have to be disciplined. That's why we have to embrace the maturing process that God has for us. Because just because we sit in a room full of people that understand and know that Jesus is the Son of God, doesn't mean that we have any awareness of what lies within ourselves. But God fully knows who we are, and he's not scared of it. He's not intimidated by it. He wants to use it to draw us closer to him. I can know who Jesus is, Son of God, Savior of the world, and have no awareness of myself. Peter knew who Jesus was, but had no clue who he was. So a lot of people think it's about coming to church and finding out who Jesus is. No, most of the people in this room, we know who Jesus is. Now he wants to take us on a journey of maturity and let us see who we are. Because when we see it, We allow him to deal with it. And if he's dealing with you, he's not done with you. The last thing that Peter does is, I'm almost finished. I just want you to know God knows something that you don't know. Peter, in his shame, hangs his head. And the last failure of Peter is usually the one that most of us have to encounter. Most of us have to go through this. And some of us have, in here, you've gone through it and you've tried to cover it up because you don't want anybody to know because you're embarrassed and ashamed. But Jesus is like, hallelujah, I'm glad you finally have come to the end of all that you thought you were. Peter, when he sells out Jesus, he returns after walking three years hand in hand with Jesus, being trained, being raised, He immediately turns, leaves his life as an apostle, leaves his life as a disciple, and he goes back to what Jesus called him out of, being a fisherman. He returns to the fisherman's life. He leaves the Christ life, and he goes back. There are some of you in here, and you have said, there is no way I would ever return to the debauchery. It's a big word for me the debauchery that I came out of. But you know, I don't know, and God knows that you've been dipping your toe in the water. Can I tell you something? Eventually, listen to me, you can be 20 years in the faith. You can can step over 20 years, and in a day, be right back where you said you would never come out of. And can I tell you something? If you'll admit it, it might just be the best mistake you've ever made. Peter goes back to being a fisherman and he's, 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 he's on his boat fishing, not catching anything. A guy comes strolling along on the shore and he says, why don't y'all cast your nets on the other side of the boat? And so they were like, might as well, they didn't know who it was. They cast their nets on the other side of the boat and the scripture says that their nets were so full that they couldn't haul them in, but the nets didn't break. See, Peter knew something about fishing. He knew if he caught that many fish that the nets should break. And he also knew that it was supernatural that he was even catching fish because he had dropped his net there 17 times until this dude said, why don't you drop them there again? And it clicked. That's Jesus. Jesus had risen from the dead and he was coming to visit His disciples. And you know, the Bible tells us that Peter takes off his coat and he jumps in the water and he swims to Jesus. But I I think about those moments. I think about those moments that Peter realizes that's Jesus. He's here. He still wants to deal with me. So that must mean he's not done with me. And Peter stands on the bow of his boat. And I'm telling you, there was a window of opportunity for him to obey God. He stands on the bow of his boat and he looks at the God that he betrayed. Shame, all of his failures, all of his screw-ups, the enemy is screaming in his head, saying, he doesn't want to talk to you, you loser. He knows what you did. He Listen to me. He looked you in the eyes the last time you, you sold him out and said that you didn't even know it. Peter stands on the bow of his boat. And I'm telling you, he was going to jump off of that boat, but I, I think the question in his mind was, which way am I going to swim? Am I going to get away from this guy? Or am I going to believe that he knows something about me that I don't know about myself? And I think every single one of us, eventually in our lives, maybe it hasn't happened yet, we're going to have a bow of the boat experience where we stand on the bow of that boat and we say, am I going to jump towards him or am I going to go away from him? Am I going to embrace what he wants to do in my life or am I going to believe the lie of the enemy and says he's done with me? Peter swims to shore and I'm sure he's thinking, you know what, I bet I bet he's going to, maybe he'll let me come home, but I bet I'm going to be like a a, a church cleaner. Probably won't be an apostle, the one that the church would be founded on. Maybe he'll just let me vacuum the carpet. But Jesus, after all of it, he looks at Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me? And I love what Peter says. He says, Lord, you know that I love you. He doesn't say, of course I do. And I know that I, for the first time in his life, I believe some self-awareness had come into his life. And he knew that his only hope of finding out what God knew about him that he didn't know about himself was saying, God, you know something that I don't know. God, you know Something that I don't know. And I love what Jesus says next. And he tells him three times, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Three times he tells him. I believe it's to cancel out every single denial that Peter had with Jesus. He said, Peter, I don't even care where you've been, what you've done, as long as you've gotten to a place where you believe that what I can do in you is something that nobody else can do in you. He went to Jesus. Jesus knew something about Peter that Peter didn't know. And I want to tell you something. Jesus knows something about you that you don't know. That's why you've been tempted the way you're being tempted. That's why you've you've, you've endured the hell that you've endured. That's why you've gone through the difficulty that you've gone through and he wants us to jump off the bow of that boat and run to him and have one more conversation. He loves you today. There's something about your life that you don't know, and that's why you are being dealt with. I, I just, I really feel like in my heart, there is some pressure happening in some people's lives. There, you're, at, you're at a tipping point you're at a tipping. Am I going to cross over this line? Am I going to leave? Am I going to stay? I don't know what I'm going to do. And he's saying, why don't you jump off in reckless abandonment and trust me with your future because there's something about your life that I know that you don't know. That's why he's disciplining you. He's maturing you. He's preparing you for what he has already prepared for you. And I don't know about you, but I want to see it. I want to run to Him long enough, stay with Him long enough that I can be to Him what He wants me to be, and I can be to this earth what He wants me to be. There's not a person in here that's not valuable to God, that doesn't want to be used by God. Do you believe it? Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap.